Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. Welcome, everybody. My name is Tim Seckler. Thanks for tuning in to the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by my law firm, the Seckler Law Firm, uh, where great families make great plans. Uh, and uh, at the law firm, we do uh, estate planning, elder law work, so all things wills, trust, powers of attorney, Medicaid spend down, asset protection work. We do post-death administration work. Uh, we tend to deal with a lot of the situations that people consider some of the most fr- uh, uh, stressful situations of their lives, losing a loved one, planning for their own uh, eventual demise, dealing with a loved one in a nursing home. And my aim with this show is just to help you understand how some of this stuff works. A lot of this uh, uh, these situations are extremely complicated. Uh, so if this is your first time listening to the show, we do a number of things on here. Sometimes we have guests. Sometimes I uh, I just sort of do what's on the top of my mind. Sometimes we do some legal technical stuff, which is what we're going to do today. I, uh, today is going to be almost purely just education on, on my take on how some things work. Uh, so as I dive into that, I have to give you the little lawyer's caveat here that I'm going to talk about a lot of things today, okay? Um, a, a lot of elder law issues in particular. Uh, and what I want you to take away from this is... Uh, each and every family's got a unique situation. So if I'm going to talk about a, an issue regarding spending down for the nursing home or whatever the, whatever we get into today, I don't want you to go out and make decisions based on what I, what I have to say. These are legal problems. You need a legal uh, solution. You should call a lawyer. Of course, we're able to help. How was that? Did I do okay with the, uh, with the lawyer's disclaimer here? And if you're looking for more information after the show today, you can catch old episodes of this show as a podcast on Apple or iTunes, or go to my website, secularlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R, lawfirm.com, uh, or give us a shout, 724-841-1393. Now, on the website, you're going to find all kind of information, pre-recorded videos on how Medicaid works, on estate planning. We have our new Life and Legacy course, which people are finding really neat. It's a, it's a great way to uh, get some education at your house uh, after work or in the evening or if you're retired during the day on what an effective estate plan looks like. What's the difference between a will or a trust? Why do people use these things? And, and it's uh, you can go on there and get a, a full hour of me sort of giving you my thoughts on this stuff. Uh, and then we follow up with you with a free consult so that we can talk about your specific needs. Uh, so check that out. It's called the Life and Legacy Course on SecklerLawFirm.com. You can find it under the Workshops tab. Now, we're going to start off our frequently asked questions here. And some of the questions you listeners have sent in to us uh, by talking about some elder law issues. So so some of the most common questions we get around uh, in this area is, how do we protect assets? How does this Medicaid system work? Um, what are What is this five-year look-back period? How does it work? And all the rest. So quick overview of how this works. So if you or a loved one goes into a nursing home, uh, this, none of the Medicare or your insurance payments really are going to help with paying for the nursing home uh, after about 20 days. So Medicare will help you for 20 days, maybe up to 100 days, depending on how it's going, after which you're essentially on your own for eleven, twelve thousand dollars a month until you run out of money. If you have a long term care insurance contract, that's fantastic, but most people don't, right? So now dad is in the nursing home and we're writing these checks for ten, twelve thousand dollars a month. Uh and the money's starting to get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. We're going through a hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year. And 
there's really no end in sight, right? So, so what are the rules? Well, just this is a, a real quick glancing blow at Medicaid eligibility, but you have to uh, keep in mind that Medicaid treats single people differently than they treat married people, and Medicaid treats assets differently than they treat income. Okay, so a single person that goes into the nursing home, their available assets are going to be uh, reduced to either $2,400 or $8,000, all right? So all of your available assets have to be below those thresholds. But what are the available assets? It can't be everything I own. Well, it kind of is because with a single person, pretty much everything you own counts. Now, if they don't count it from an eligibility standpoint, like, for example, the house doesn't count, you can go on Medicaid benefits and still own a home. But when you pass away after having been a Medicaid recipient in the nursing home, the state of Pennsylvania has a claim against your estate, which then owns your house, forcing your executor to sell the house to pay back the state of Pennsylvania. So so a takeaway here from an asset standpoint with single people is you stand to lose everything depending on how long you were in the nursing home. And that's just the way this broken system works. Um once you're eligible from an asset standpoint, your assets are below those low thresholds. All of your monthly income income goes to the nursing home, with the exception of $45 a month. Pennsylvania allows you to keep $45 a month for all your personal needs. Okay, so single person essentially goes flat broke, and that's that's bad. That's That's super bad, right? But it's even worse in a married case because in a married case, we have a healthy spouse who may live another 20 years, uh, and they only allow her to keep – uh, the house. She in most married cases, we're we're able to to wrangle and and keep the house, uh, but we end up. She's allowed to keep if if mom's the healthy spouse out in the community. She's allowed to keep her retirement accounts, and she's allowed to keep half of the other assets up to a maximum of just shy of one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Right. So somewhere, uh, some legislator or legislators agreed that anybody. Regardless of their age, their expenses, their lifestyle can get by for the rest of their lives on $130,000 because otherwise they'd have to admit that they're intentionally making this spouse go broke and nobody wants to admit to that. So, so, but the way the rules work is if dad goes into the nursing home, you count up all the available resources, mom's allowed to keep half up to a maximum of about $130,000, right? Everything else has to go. And these rules are ter- terrible. And, and, you know, a lot of people are like, well, man, that sounds bad. But, uh, you know, I'm just not going to go to the nursing home. Well, OK, but nursing homes are full of people who were never going to nursing homes. And so sometimes we have to recognize the fact that this situation could be out of your control. And I can't help if I'm going to have a stroke. I can't help if I'm going to have Alzheimer's disease. It's, un- it's not preventable. Right? They tell me eat a lot of almonds and vitamins. So I swallow vitamins and almonds all day long. But I can't prevent, truly, if I'm going to have Alzheimer's disease, three of my four grandparents had d- dementia, right? So who knows? But I'm, I'm anticipating that I'm going to need this thing. Even though I don't want to go, I'm anticipating that I, I, I may need long-term care at some point. You got to plan accordingly. So that gets us to the next question. Um, if I got to be broke, if I go to the nursing home, I've got to be broke. So should I give my stuff to my kids? That's a, that's an extremely common question that we elder law attorneys get. And our answer has to be, well, it's pretty risky. Why? Well, there's a couple of things that happen. Let's let's say, um, you know, have you have, have you pictured, um, you haven't been there a while because of the pandemic, but can you picture McDonald's at like 7 o'clock in the morning, right? And you walk into McDonald's and you smell the hash browns and you smell the cup of coffee. You know, this is taking you back to, to a safer time when we were allowed to go get breakfast. 
Uh, and no, we can't eat McDonald's for breakfast every time, but you've been on a road trip. We've all been there in the morning, right? So you, you've got the coffee smell. You've got the, the hash browns. You know the table of little old fellas in a corner talking, you know, the, the guys that are getting their 65-plus price of coffee. And uh, you know what they're talking about all the time? Those guys are always talking about putting their house in their kid's name, right? My guy says I should do it. Your guy's a a bum. Your kid's a bum. My guy says I shouldn't do it, right? You can you can you can picture this conversation. Well, why is everybody putting their house in their kid's name? Well, you know, it's some confused issue around taxes. They think they're saving money on taxes, which in reality they're probably costing themselves more in taxes. And the second issue is they're trying to protect it from the nursing home, and that can work. But it's a risky way to do it because, one, and I'm not going to take the time on the on the show. I've got other materials on the website talking about the tax situation. But long story short, you probably make a capital gains tax mistake giving your house to your kids. The second issue is you give up what? You give up control. You work your whole life to accumulate stuff. And then when you're in retirement, you're supposed to give up control of that stuff? I don't think so. Not for me. Uh, and so, so that's a, that, that's a problem. That's a sticking point for a lot of families. I'm not, you know, my, my kid can't manage his own affairs. I'm not going to put my money in his name. I'm not going to put my house in his name, right? So that's a problem. The third problem and the big problem is Medicaid doesn't want you to do it. So if we're trying to get Medicaid to pay for the nursing home, well, Medicaid doesn't want you giving away your stuff on Tuesday and asking for Medicaid eligibility on Thursday, right? Of course they don't. They don't want you doing it two days before. They don't want you doing it two years before. They don't want you doing it five years before your need to apply for benefits. This is where we get to talk about Medicaid's five-year look-back period. So if you have a loved one that goes into the nursing home on the and you need to apply for Medicaid to help you pay for it, because Medicaid's the only entity that's going to help you pay for it, you want to apply for Medicaid, they ask you how much money you have, and then they ask you how much money you've given away in the last five years. Have you given away your house? Have you given away finances? What have you given away? And if you've given assets away, what happens is Medicaid imposes a penalty period. Nobody's going to jail. It's not illegal to, to be generous to your kids. It's, it's nothing like that. You're just simply not eligible for Medicaid to pay for the nursing home for a while. Okay, in the length of that time, that's called a penalty period because you gave assets away. You're going to go through a period that you're not eligible for Medicaid. Um, during that period of time, though, nobody's paying the nursing home. This is where the situations turn ugly. You know, I've got friends in nursing homes that, that we work with regularly, and I can tell you, a lot of these nursing homes are extremely easy to work with. I we have conversations with them all the time. Hey, listen, we're helping Mr. Jones. Here's our strategy. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And what is helpful for us to be able to say is you're going to get paid one way or the other. You're going to get paid. You're not because the worst day for a nursing home resident is the first day that the nursing home isn't getting paid because now you've got uh, uh, your care provider, the people that are responsible for your help health, not being paid for the care they're providing, which is a terrible situation. Um, now, there are times that we intentionally give ourselves a penalty period, but we figure out another way to pay the nursing home. And, and you know, that, that may be a FAQ I talked about here briefly, depending on how long-winded I get on some of these other things. But long story short, in, in the consideration of whether you should give your house or other assets to the kids, I, I urge you to take some caution because if you need care in the next five years, you risk not getting the state to pay for the nursing home that you need. And then you're in a situation where you owe a nursing home a whole bunch of money and you don't have any because you gave it to the kids. 
right? And then, so what are the odds that you can get the money back from the kids? Well, in some families, you could get it back. Kids mean well. Kids might be independently, you know, well off on their own. They can give the money back. But a lot of families I run into, that money's gone. You give your kids $50,000 and try to get them to write you a check for $50,000 four years later, and how's that go, right? Um, And even if your kid means well and does well and is a respectable young person, what if he or she has been through a divorce? What if she's been laid off? What if he has a drinking problem? What if he started gambling? What if, what if, what if, what if, right? So putting assets into your kids' names can be extremely risky because if we cannot get that money back, then we get in a situation where the nursing home's not being paid and they've got a right to pursue legal action after you or your kids to get the nursing home bill paid. And that is an ugly situation. I don't blame them for doing it. They Listen, they're running a business. They need to be paid for their services. But we don't want to set our families up for a situation where they could be sued by a nursing home because we're not paying the bill uh, or because Medicaid's not paying the bill because we gave our stuff away. So uh, long-winded answer to say, you know, if you're asking me, should I put my house in my kid's name? I'm going to tell you, well, listen, there might be better ways to do it. I think it's pretty risky. Yes, you're allowed to do it. I mean, technically, legally, you're allowed to give whatever you want to anybody, but you risk losing um, your eligibility for Medicaid to pay the nursing home if you need that later. All right, so you've been listening to uh, the Life and Legacy Show. My name is Tim Seckler. I own the Seckler Law Firm where uh, we help families with estate planning and elder law needs. We do asset protection planning, planning ahead. We do what we call Medicaid crisis planning, which is uh, the type of strategies we employ if someone is in a nursing home and we need to help them save money uh, and we don't have five years. Uh, and so all types of different techniques that we do. Then if you know somebody in a nursing home or on their way to the nursing home and you're concerned about this stuff, give us a shout. We do free consults in that situation, 724 841 one three nine three, or go to the website secklerlawfirm.com. That's s e c h l e r lawfirm.com. Okay, let's see. What's another frequently asked question that we get? So, uh, going back to the home, will I lose my home if I go to a nursing home? And the answer is, as as all li- lawyers like to answer the question, maybe. Right? It depends. The first two uh, words they teach you in law school. It depends. Because it depends if you're single or married. If you're single, you're eli- you could become eligible for Medicaid while still owning the house. But when you pass away, the state of Pennsylvania has a claim against anything in your estate, which at that point can pretty much only be a house, which means your executor of your will may be forced to sell the house to pay back the state of Pennsylvania for every penny they spent on care. So one way to look at it, if you're single and in a nursing home and Medicaid is paying for your, your care, if you own a home... Medicaid really isn't paying for your care. Medicaid is loaning you money to pay for your care. And when you pass away, they call the loan. They, they force the executor to liquidate the house and pay them back. So a single person, if they're in the nursing home long enough, is absolutely going to lose their house. I, I guess absolutely is a little strong. There are some exceptions to that. But by and large, that's a big risk. In a married case. Am I going to lose my home? Well, often, if we have the ability to, we may switch the the house into the healthy spouse's name, depending on the fact pattern and, and a bunch of other things. But in a married case, oftentimes the healthy spouse is allowed to keep the home. The challenge, though, becomes is we're taking all of our money and we're taking some of the family's income. So often the house is an expensive thing to keep. And then if she sells the house, unfortunately, Pennsylvania has been of the position that those sales proceeds are once again 
available for these sick spouses care. So the houses, the house and, and how they treat people with this thing, in my opinion, these rules are just harsh. And, you know, I'm, I say how they treat people, you know, the, the Medicaid has, has just people working there. They're often, they're good people. They get into it for the right reasons. The problem is we've got this broken government rule book that has all these harsh rules. And the next question I'm going to answer here uh, is is uh, an important one. And if like if you were going to if if you found the show interesting and you're learning from it, this is going to be for some people probably the most important point, right? So if you're going to if you're going to take a note this morning, if you're feeling like taking a note, listen to this show. Here it is. Do I need a power of attorney? And the answer is, of course you do, because any of us could become incapacitated at any point in time. I personally think that you should get a power of attorney the day you get your high school diploma, the day you turn 18, because now you no longer have a legal guardian and any 18 year old to any 95 year old could have a stroke or a car accident and a head injury at any point in time. And we may need someone else to make decisions for us. And that's what a power of attorney document does. Now here's point two though. These documents are not all the same. Some of them are drafted to say, you know, my son uh, Joe can keep the lights on and he can pay my bills for me and he can make my decisions. Um, and they're relatively light in the the power that they're given. And here's an example. If dad needs to go to the nursing home and now Joe, the son, is the power of attorney, the agent under the power of attorney, come to an elder law attorney like me and say, hey, can we protect any assets from the nursing home? And I'm going to say, well, let me see the power of attorney document. I need to read the thing because these documents are not all the same. And unfortunately, a lot of the time, it just happened this week. I had to tell a family, look, your your power of attorney document isn't written strongly enough. Um, I would like to transfer assets. I'd like to, I could tell you, we could protect 50, 60% of your dad's net worth if we were able to give it to the kids. Uh, which, you know, I haven't met a family yet that dad would rather the nursing home get his money than his kids, right? So, uh, of course, dad would like to do that. But we don't have the legal authority because your power of attorney does not authorize us to do that kind of gifting, right? So my opinion, and a lot of my clients after some discussion, if we're chatting with them about wills, powers of attorney, trust, and we're going to do the power of attorney document, and they're concerned about long-term care planning, we authorize strong gifting language so that we can move the money in a response to a nursing home uh, admission to be able to protect the assets, to be able to protect the house, the savings uh, from uh, these these harsh Medicaid rules. Uh, and so if you have not had your power of attorney drafted by somebody that does this stuff, if it's been a long time since you did your power of attorney, reach out to us. Power of attorney is a relatively inexpensive document, and I've seen people lose their house over poorly drafted power of attorney documents. Give us a call. We'll help you with it. And it's not expensive. 724-841-1393 or check us out at thesecklerlawfirm.com. All right, let's see. Let's see. I kind of like this episode. I think I'm having fun with these sort of, it's like rapid fire questions I'm doing here today. What's another good question? So question I get all the time is, do I need a will or a trust? Right? Should I use a will or should I use a trust? And the answer, of course, is it depends. What are you trying to accomplish? Say we write a lot of wills. I write a lot of trusts. And really what it comes down to is what are your objectives, right? Because wills work great for some people that have limited goals with what they're trying to do with their estate plan. If the estate plan isn't all that darn complicated, uh, then then sometimes wills work. However, if you have interest in maybe doing some tax planning or if you have interest in, in avoiding the courthouse, avoiding probate uh, after you pass away, you know, people spend their whole lives trying to stay out of the courthouse. So when I pass away, why would I want to send my, 
my kids or my wife uh, through that process. Uh, so maybe I want to avoid probate, so I ought to consider a trust. Um, maybe I want to protect assets. Maybe this whole nursing home conversation has me a little nervous, and I'd like to know how to protect assets. And I guess here, here we go. So this ties into the earlier question we were chatting about, which was, should I put my house in my kid's name? And the answer I said was, I think it's kind of risky. And and the reason for that is you might make a tax mistake. You're giving up all control. You're giving up all control. And the, and the third thing is the Medicaid five-year look-back period. If you end up getting sick in the next five years, if you've given your house and your money to your kids, I don't know. In fact, I highly doubt with a lot of families, we're going to be able to get that money back. You give, give your kid $100,000. What are the odds we get it back in four years? You give your kid 200 bucks. What are the odds he has it next Saturday morning, right? And so, no, I don't think giving assets to the kids is a great idea, but I come from a family who personally was subject to these harsh Medicaid rules when my grandfather was sick, and I help families with this stuff on a weekly basis, and I'm a big advocate of people protecting their assets because uh, the, the system is broken. It's not stepped up in your favor. If you think the government system is in your favor with the, regard to these taxes and, and how it works when you pass away, just check out the SECURE Act. Do a little bit of reading on what our friends in Congress did for us with the SECURE Act last year, and you're going to know they don't always have the little guy in mind. And so and, and maybe that's a subject for another day, uh, but – Listen, these rules are harsh. They're getting harsher every day. It's getting harder and harder to be middle class and try to ascend into upper middle class or farther. It's hard because taxes are on the way up because nursing homes cost $130,000 a year and one in three of us is going to have dementia. So that significantly impacts mom and dad's ability to leave a legacy for their kids. It's, it's, you know, it's one of my dreams. One of my goals is to give my kids a great shot at life. You know, I hope they have some money. I hope that they can do some things that maybe I'm not able to do. Uh, but my ability to give that to them could be significantly hampered in the event that I have Alzheimer's disease later in life. And so, you know what, I, from my standpoint, with my family, what's going to be right when the time comes uh, is I'm going to do some work. I'm going to I'm going to protect some savings. I'm going to protect my home. Uh, and the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to use something called a Medicaid Asset Protection Trust. That's an asset protection trust. That's a trust that's specifically designed with Medicaid's rules in mind to help you protect your house, protect some savings, not all of it, from the nursing home. But the general rule of nursing home law is if you can get it, so can they, right? So we have to be able to use a trust that says you can't have it. Now, maybe your kids can be the beneficiaries of the trust, Kids can access the money, and if we have kids that we trust, that can work out very well, right? Um, but the beautiful thing about it is it's kind of like giving the assets to the kids without making the three mistakes I've been talking about. You don't make the capital gains tax mistake. You don't have to give up all control. You might have to give up a little bit, and you know, families make decisions based on our, our conversations with them on, on how we structure this trust. Uh, and you have to give up some access. But if you're if, – and, and I can tell you – these trusts can be pretty remarkably flexible with how we draft them, um, but you do have to give up access to the stuff. But a lot of a lot of families I run into, you know, they're not planning to sell the house to live on the money. And if your house is worth a couple hundred grand, and you're not planning on selling it to leave to live on it, you know, planning to sell it or or take a reverse mortgage or whatever to access the equity to help you buy groceries, a lot of families aren't going to have to do that then why are we going to leave an asset worth a few hundred thousand dollars or less? doesn't have to be that expensive. Why would we leave that asset exposed to the nursing home? Why in the world 
Would I leave my assets, my home, exposed to a nursing home when I've got a one in three chance of getting dementia in a nursing home today's dollars is $130,000 a year? It doesn't make any darn sense. So yeah, I talk to people a lot about using asset protection trusts. So how do you go about learning more about this stuff? Well, go to my website, secklerlawfirm.com. You can check out one of our live workshops. We have an upcoming uh, live webinar. It's coming up real soon. It's in the evening, January 20th, 2021. If you're listening to this show live, it's coming up. Uh, and we're doing it at 7 o'clock in the evening. Uh, you can register for it on my website, secklerlawfirm.com. Go to the workshops tab and you'll find a link for it. Uh, I expect to, to get a pretty big crowd for it. It's a webinar. We got plenty of room. Um, but um, sit in front of your computer, listen to me chat, ask me questions. It's going to be an hour, hour and a half. Uh, workshop where we're going to tackle a lot of these issues. I'm going to talk to you in depth about how a Medicaid Asset Protection Trust uh, might work for you. We're going to talk about how a properly drafted power of attorney can help you. We're going to talk about the distinction between wills and trusts. We'll talk taxes, everything you've been dying to know, and and a little bit of jokes and a little bit of entertainment on the side. Um, But join us. I think you'll have uh, some fun. I think you'll learn something. Uh, You can do it in the comfort of your own home, uh, or you can come to one of our upcoming live workshops. Uh, There's all kind of information on my website. Check out the old blogs. Uh, There's a course on there that you can check out. So no ends to the the content we're trying to put out for you, because my goal is to make sure that people don't go into this thing blind. These rules are harsh, and it's your duty to understand how they're going to impact your family. So thanks for listening today. You've been listening to the Life and Legacy Show. Remember, the things that I talk about on here is just general information. Don't make decisions without the help of an attorney in this area. Uh, This is complicated stuff. You can get yourself into trouble. Thanks for listening. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.